if you're in enormous pain and you want to, you know, get slotted into the American medical bureaucracy, you're probably screwed. But if you want to get slotted in, like, right now, like tomorrow, uh, say it has something to do with your heart. Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. I went to the doctor the other day, and it makes me want to talk about how you got to be your own doctor. And I got some weird problems with my body, you know, just when you get older. And um, anyways, I got my feet are messed up, and my butt is messed up. Like, not my anus, but my buttocks. And so it's an interesting combination of problems to have. Because what it means is that waiting at the hospital is bad for me. I mean, it's literally injuring me. Like, you can sit in one of these shitty hospital chairs and injure yourself. Or you can stand, and that'll injure your feet. And I got high blood pressure, and my doctor is all about that. Like, that is the thing that she cares about. I'm like... Yeah, I got high blood pressure, you know, I don't, I don't want to stroke out. But when you make me, you know, when you tell me to come here at a certain time, and then you make me wait for an hour and a half for no, you know, I don't know, for whatever reason, you know, why, why do hospitals make you wait? The reason why is they don't give a shit about your time. Like, if you go to a restaurant, the waiters, you know what, you know what they do? They, uh, they use their time so that you don't have to use your time. You know, because of tipping, the incentives for waiters are, like, if you show up, they want to come and grab you right off the bat, seat you, you know, if it's a place that has seating and tipping. Or if it's a Starbucks, then, you know, they want to, they want you, they want to, uh, take your order right away when you come up to the counter, etc. And so they'll move fast. They'll move fast. They'll be like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they see someone's coming. They're like, you know what, I'm just going to wait here. I'm going to wait here. Until those people are ready, and then I'm going to, you know, give them what they want, help them out with their meal, and then you'll get a big, you know, a big tip, hopefully. I mean, that's not a very good description, but you know what I'm saying, just, you know, like service jobs. You know, the customer is always right, remember that old saying? And I used to be an electrician, you know, you go, like, help someone do the remodel on their bathroom, do the electrical part. And I will say, maybe to a certain extent, we'd make, make the person wait, they're like, it will be there between 10 and 12. We're not like, we will be there at this exact minute. So, you know, basically, you, just like having the cable guy come. It's like, we're going to be there from 10 to 12, or heaven forbid, you know, from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. So why don't you just wait there for us? I guess that's a good example. So as an electrician, we would we, we would give people a window, but it wouldn't be a huge window. It was just because... A lot of times, you know, you're driving from one side of the city to the other side of the city, and whatever. You don't want to be wrong. As an electrician, the number one thing you don't want to be is wrong. And so, while we might have not been the fastest, there was a different kind of customer service that we did. And that was, whatever the customer wanted, that's what the customer got. I mean, we might suggest stuff. We really didn't suggest much stuff. That was, that was how I was taught as an electrician. You're not like, oh, you never heard of this other crazy light that you could be adding here or something you maybe you want that no you don't do that just the customer's like i want a light here and a light there and you're like do you mean it right do you mean exactly right here and the customer says, yes yes i want it exactly right there like okay and that's because when the job is done it's not so much about the time but it's did the customer get exactly what they wanted 
But anyways, you definitely give good customer service, even as an electrician, or at least hopefully you do. But then doctors, and they're a little different. They're definitely not like waiters where they're trying to get to you quickly. You know, I don't, I don't know, I don't I'm sure every hospital has a metric and they're like, oh, we only made people wait an average of one hour and 11 minutes this month. We're doing great. Like a restaurant would be going out of business at that point. And then, you know, our doc, maybe doctors are like electricians though. And they're not like that either. Like, okay, you made me wait an hour, but here are my concerns. And here's what I, you know, here's the help I'd like from you, doc. Uh, they're not really concerned about that either. They're like, I'm a doctor. I know, I know what's good for you. Basically, they're, they're going to tell you. It'd be like, <laughs> it's like the electrician situation. But if the electrician went into your kitchen remodel and said, oh, I'm going to put the lights here, here, and here. And you're like, wait, but I need this other thing. It's like, no, no, no. I'll tell you where the lights go. And so there's something called the Hippocratic Oath. I don't know if every doctor does it anymore, but that was like the, back in the old days, I think, every, off, every doctor took the Hippocratic Oath. And the oath is something like, first, do no harm. Like their oath is not, be amazing and cure everyone. The first thing is, don't make things worse. And so I was talking to my doctor and I'm like, you know, you guys making me wait an hour is literally injuring me. You know, it's messing up my feet, it's messing up my ass. And you know, I'm like, D you know, haven't you taken the Hippocratic Oath? You know, because you're, you're injuring me. You're literally injuring me right now. And I'm sure you can imagine how that, I mean, my doctor's nice, I like her, but you know, the idea that she needs to truly do no harm is not even, it's not even in the realm of her thinking or possibility whatsoever. You know, if you're like, okay, here are the reasons that what you are doing is harming me and you've taken an oath to not harm me. Anyways, I mean, you, you can see, you can see how that would go over like a lead balloon. And you know, I was like, you know what you could do if you want, if you wanted to stop harming me, we could do this over, um, you know, an internet video call, video conferencing. And she's like, well, we only do that for certain things. I mean, you can imagine. And I'm like, well, you know, the nurses don't make, you know, if you go to see a nurse or whatever, or whatever a medical assistant, if you go see a medical assistant, you can get in and out in like 15 minutes, right? The do it's only the doctors that make you wait over an hour. And that was because like, she's like, I need to see, I need to have you do your blood pressure. I need to have your blood pressure taken at the hospital. And so I'm like, well, that's fine. Let me just drive in. A medical assistant can take my blood pressure in two seconds and I'll drive back out and then we can do a video conference call. And I don't know, I guess that there's some rule that if a patient comes into the hospital on the same day the, the doctor visit is, then you can't do a video conference call or whatever. It's like, what? You know, I guess they're her higher up. The higher ups are like, what? Your patient was already in the hospital giving, you know, taking, having their blood pressure taken, why didn't you see them right then? And apparently her telling them that, oh, well, if you do that, then it's going to make, <laughs> it's going to waste over an hour of time for the patient. Anyways, that's just not a consideration. And so, I don't know, it's not the, so I don't know, I just came up with this. It's not the Hippo the Hippocratic Oath, basically take that, throw it in the toilet and flush. Uh, what they really have is the Bureaucratic Oath. Like first, what you will do with your patient is process them like a piece of meat, like chunk, a chunk, a chunk, and however the bureaucracy tells you to do it. And like I say, this my doctor is pretty good. I don't know. I've been through 
where I go, I'm on Medicaid, yeah, I'm on Medicaid, and so where I go, they, they keep switching my doctor. Like, I had a doctor that seemed like she was good, and then she had bad health and she quit, and then they brought in, like, a temporary doctor, I think from Jamaica, and she was, like, terrible. Like, she didn't know her anatomy. Like, I don't know anatomy at all, and yet I knew how the body was built more than this lady. And anyways... The hospital was like, they really wanted to keep her. But anyway, she's like, I'm out of here. I'm going back to Jamaica. And so now I got a new doctor. I don't know what that is. That's probably three in one year. Um, anyways, she's good. I, I mean, I like her. She's good. I mean, she's not going to break any bureaucratic rules whatsoever to help me. But, but as doctors go, she's good. I mean, I imagine if you said, what's that? She'd be like, an elbow. And I'd be like, what's that attached to? She'd be like, your arm. I'd be like, hey, at least you know that. And so basically, you kind of have to be your own doctor, you know, or maybe you'd, some people would say you got to be your own advocate. And it's not easy. I'm sure if you're uneducated or super old and your brain doesn't work that good or whatever, I mean, it's, it's hard to be your own doctor. I mean, the doctor is supposed to be your doctor for you, but you really can't rely on that entirely. Like, I have a friend, he has diabetes, and, I mean, diabetes is a, it's kind of a terrible disease, but also, it's a very straightforward, well-understood uh, disease. And I think he's had to change doctors, I don't know, at least once or twice, because he gets a doctor who's mismanaging it. And he's like, you know, and he'll, he'll go on the internet, he'll look up his problem, right, this is not, you know, you're not reading, like random forums you know you're reading you know real scientific journal stuff and you're like oh this journal is saying a and my doctor is doing b which which is contradicted by the journal and then you say hey doc you know i think it needs to be this way and the doc's like oh no it doesn't need to be that way and his health like was deteriorating pretty bad pretty quickly and so he went to another doctor and they're like oh my god that doctor had you doing what what the fuck did they have you doing we got to do exactly the shit you're talking about, and we got to do it now. We got to do it yesterday. So even on famous diseases like diabetes and whatnot, I mean, your mileage will vary enormously between doctors. I mean, the one thing I will say about doctors is that they are all very, very confident. If every single thing, every word that comes out of their mouth is wrong, well, it'll be backed by a ton of confidence. And then, I don't know if it's unfortunately, but what it's also backed by... Um, is a license. Like, say you cut yourself real bad, I don't know, using a chainsaw or something. Well, if you're bleeding out, then obviously you gotta go to the ER. I don't, I don't recommend doing stitches on yourself or whatever. But, you know, you cut yourself, it's kind of bad, but, you know, you hold, a, you hold a towel or paper towels to it or whatever and it stops bleeding. Well, maybe you're done. Or maybe you need someone with a medical license to intervene. Because, you know, bloody cuts will get you a few ways. Like, maybe you bleed out, but usually you don't. You know, maybe you need it sewn back together. Like, you know, if it's deep into the muscle or something, you need it reattached. But usually you don't need that at all either. And long story short, the thing that you probably need is antibiotics. You don't want it to get infected. And this is like, you know, in the old cowboy days... If you got winged, you know, if, if someone just barely, you know, bare, you know, in quotes, barely hit you, it didn't go through your heart, you know, maybe it kind of went in and out of your thigh or something, well, you were a dead man walking, because that thing was going to get infected, then you're going to have, like, 
whatever it's called, uh, I forget what, blood, uh, you know, infection in your blood, and then you die. But like those cowboys, like they didn't need someone to sew it up or whatever. What they needed was some antibiotics. And so, you know, maybe for, for good reason, America does not allow people to just give themselves antibiotics. Like, you know, what you need, you, you, you cut yourself, everything else is okay, but you just, you don't want to get infected. What you need is, you know, made in a factory in India for $1 is just, you know, a 12-day dose of antibiotics or regimen. But America's like, we need to send you through the whole medical system. We need to send you to the ER, but you know, the ER doc is too expensive. So when you get to the med when you get to the ER, the first thing we're gonna do is give you a nurse. Uh, this is what this is what happened to me one time. So I cut the shit out of myself one time with an angle grinder. Doesn't matter, power tool. Like I didn't have insurance, I didn't have no money, so I went to urgent care. And at urgent care, a nurse looked at my finger that was cut open and she's like holy crap so she called a doctor urgent care doctor it's a lower level doctor and then the urgent care doctor came in he he looked at my finger he said holy crap get out of here and go to the er so i went to the er a nurse looked at it went holy crap so she she went and got a nurse practitioner who went holy crap i ain't touching that thing and so eventually i got escalated all the way up to like the er doc but long story short, it was just my finger got taped up. I mean, my, my finger was kind of laid open like a fillet of fish or something. But anyways, the answer was to tape it back up and get a bunch of antibiotics or take antibiotics for 10 days. I think I'm losing my point, but that was kind of interesting. I guess on that case, I tried to be my own doctor and go to the cheap urgent care place and it didn't work out. But long story short, I didn't really need much. I just needed tape. I could have done you know, basically duct tape and um, toilet paper. You can make a hell of a band-aid. I've done it before. But you can't get around the antibiotics thing. I think they sell antibiotics for fish, which are identical to human antibiotics online. But other than that, you can't get them without prescription. All right, this is all leading to a story, but I guess I'll say, so I, you know, I'm not your average person, individual. I'm not your average bear. But when I go to a doctor, I know more than the doctor now, I, I, about my own problems. You know, maybe the doctor, I'm sure the doctor, I hope the doctor knows more in general so they can help a wide variety of people. But when I go in there, I know more than them about what's going on with me just because, whatever, that's how I roll. I mean, I want to say it's not that hard to be more right than a doctor, but I mean, it's not that hard for me to be more right than a doctor. Probably doesn't apply to your average individual. That's all this is kind of just so I can tell this little story here. I think it was on an episode of This American Life, which is a NPR radio show slash podcast. It's probably from 10 to 20 years ago. But they had this woman on, uh, and I think a, whatever, a, young, a, a relatively young white woman who went to fancy schools kind of woman. And when she was in college, she got some sort of brain problem and you know it wasn't like it wasn't migraines but you know maybe it was like it was like migraines times a thousand or something i'm exaggerating but it was like super migraines except it was different it wasn't you know i forget what it wasn't exactly migraines but it was a brain problem and it was most importantly what it was was insanely painful 
And this is not the punchline, but I think her disease, it went on for a number of years and then it cleared up on its own. I mean, no, no one ever figured out the, you know, a name for it or, or any cure or anything that helped with it, I don't think. But because of that, I think she, you know, she probably had great health insurance as a student at a fancy school. Uh, she was going to doctor after doctor, you know, like she'd go to a doctor and they're like, I don't know. And, or maybe they wouldn't believe her like, oh, you're lying. You know, half the doctors would be like, I don't know. The other half of the doctors would be like, you're lying. You're making this up. You know, and when that stuff happens anyways, what they do is they send you to a specialist. And I forget how they determined that it was a real thing. She wasn't just a liar. But anyways, it was a real thing. They never did figure it out. And she went from specialist to specialist, you know, going to the absolute top um, hospitals, like, you know, neurosurgeons or whatever. Absolutely the pinnacle of doctors looking at all of her stuff. All right, actually, that came later. That's not part of the story, but that is... Anyway, there you go. Now you know the whole story, but not the point. So she was in excruciating... You know, earlier on in the situation, she was in excruciating pain. She'd go to the doctor... And I just, I just noticed this with people in general and doctors also, they just, if they can't see it, you know, like if they see a bone sticking out of your thigh, they're like, oh, that's a, bro that's a problem. You got a broken thigh or whatever. But if you're like, oh, doc, it hurts in this part of my body, they're like, the first natural reaction for, I think, all human beings and for doctors is, is like, you're lying. But anyway, she got past that with some doctors, changing doctors up, and... There's something called the pain scale. And you may have seen it. It's like, it goes from 1 to 10, I believe. And it has a picture of a, I don't know, a cartoon face, like a happy face. Basically like a happy face. And it starts, you know, at the bottom, you know, 1 is you're happy. And then 10 is, I don't know, you're dead. I think 1 is you're happy and no pain. 10 is you're dead. And then just the, the stick figure smiley face thing gets more frowny as it goes from one to 10. And so she was looking for some pain relief. I mean, you know, she wanted a cure, but also like, you know, in the meantime, hey, can I get some pain relief here, doc? And so the doc was like, okay, here's this, you know, here's the pain scale, one to 10, where would you place your pain? You know, and unfortunately that's how pain is, right? There's no, there's no way to know about someone's pain other than to ask them. You know, and maybe if you're addicted to opioids, you lie, because you can get more opioids or something. And so when she was going to the doctor, it just happened to be the same time there was a famous racist murder in Texas where a couple of white men drug a black man, black, black man behind their pick, pickup truck using a chain or something. And I think they drug him for like 30 miles, you know, basically like... Until his arms fell off, his legs fell off, his penis fell off, his head fell off until he was dead. And so the doctor's like, okay, 10 is the worst, worst pain you could ever imagine. You know, one is you're fine. Pick a number on the scale. And so this lady was like, okay, 10 is being drugged behind a, you know, the worst pain that she could imagine was being drugged behind a pickup truck with a chain and have it all your limbs and your genitals and your eyeballs and your nose and your ears and your, you can just imagine getting just ground off on the gravel road. And so I don't remember what number she picked. Let's just make up a number that she said five. She's like, well, you know what? I'm in immense, enormous pain, but it's not as bad as that. So she picked a five or something. And so the doctor is like, oh, you're fine then. Just go home and take some aspirin. 
And then, luckily for this white girl, her dad was an actual doctor also. And she's talking to him, and you know, what the, you know, the response that she's getting from the doctors, which is, you know, oh, you're in enormous pain, you say you're in enormous pain, but you picked a five on the pain scale, we'll just go home and take some aspirin, and, you know, I can wash my hands of you. And the doctor's like, don't ever tell them a low number on the pain scale, you'll just get ignored. And so I think she went, I don't know, back to the same doctor or a different doctor, and she started telling them higher numbers. She's like, a 9 or a 10. And all of a sudden, the medical system started moving. Instead of sending her home with a prescription for aspirin, they're like, oh shit, specialist, stat. You know, tomorrow, you need to go somewhere tomorrow, stat. Because you're saying you're in a 9. So, there you go. I don't know, whatever, there's... 20, there's over 20 minutes of BS talking because I just wanted to get to that last thing. So, you know, you got to be your own doctor and you also got to know how the bureaucracy works. And don't ever under, underestimate your pain scale stuff because they will ignore you. If you overestimate it, they'll be right on it. All right, let's talk a little more. And so, like I say, like I went, I've been through three doctors just because they keep hiring, firing, not whatever. They keep quitting. Um my hospital and when I ask for an appointment they'll be like oh we got you know our, our next appointment is nine months out and so this happened I was like okay well f well fine give me an appointment nine months from now and then they're like okay what's your appointment about and I'm like oh well my blood pressure is through the fucking roof and they're like oh well you need to come in tomorrow I mean you know, there you go you got to be your own doctor you got to be your own advocate you got to be your own person who cuts through all the bureaucracy, except that you don't know how. And, you know, if, you, if, if you're like me, you just you luck into it. You're like, oh, I see. Say something about the heart. I guess that's the point on that one. Anything to do with the heart, they'll see you soon. Twitter handle, at Anti-Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.